Could Dwayne Casey be on his way out after this season for the Detroit Pistons? We're going to talk about that with our special guest today on today's episode of the Locked On Pistons podcast. You are Locked On Pistons, your daily Detroit Pistons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's the deal? Welcome back to another episode of the Lockdown Pistons podcast. Per usual, I'm your host, Kuka Hill. You can find me over on Twitter, at Kuka Hill. I want to thank you guys for making Lockdown Pistons your first listen of every single day. We are free and available on all your podcast platforms. If you haven't already, head to the YouTube channel, hit that subscribe button. We're on our way to 5,000 subscribers. We're also in a competition with Lockdown Blazers. We're trying to catch up to them and surpass them in this little race we're doing at the Lockdown Network. We're just under 200 subscribers away from Locked On Blazers. So again, and 52% of you guys who listen to the podcast are not subscribed. So make sure you guys go hit that subscribe button. Help us overtake Locked On Blazers. Or if you listen to this on podcast platforms, make sure you go ahead and leave us a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on. That's another great way to support the podcast. And today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on today to get started. Um, today, we're going to be talking about Dwayne Casey and some quotes that he came out with that could the Pistons be moving on from him after this season? We'll talk about that. Is there pressure on Troy Weaver to put a good product on the floor next season? And how far away are the Pistons realistically? Uh, we're going to talk about all that with our special guest today, Corey Woods, beat writer over at MLive.com for the Detroit Pistons. You guys can find him over on Twitter at Corey E. Woods. Um, Corey, thank you for coming on, man. I appreciate you taking time out of your day to come on here. Um, really appreciate it. Um, o- over the past day or so, the Pistons community has been going crazy. Absolutely going crazy. I think, I- I'm sure you've seen it. Yeah, I, I, it's it's been it's been some crazy stuff going on. We haven't even had anything confirmed yet. Nothing's nothing's even really happened yet. However, we got some quotes from Dwayne Casey after this past game against the Brooklyn Nets. And let me read it read it for everyone who maybe hasn't heard what this quote is. And I want to get your thoughts on it. Um, Omari Sankofa of the Free Press asked Dwayne Casey about coming back and how meaningful it would be to come back to the Pistons. And Dwayne Casey said, "Quote." It would be good, but I want to do what's best for the organization, whether it's coming back, coaching. I love coaching. I love teaching. I'm not going to sit here and predict the future. We'll see what happens in the future. We've got two games to go. There will be a lot of time to sit down and figure everything out, whether it's coming back here and coach or whatever the decision Tom has or Troy has for me. I'm a big boy. I'm not going to fade away or fade into the sunset or anything like that. There's a lot of basketball still in there for me. I'm not sitting here looking for a pity or anything like that. Whatever Tom decides to do and Troy decides to do, it will be that way. So, Corey, what was your immediate takeaway? I know, like, Pistons fans and uh, the, the the community was immediately, oh, Dwayne Casey's not coming back. It's over. We're, uh, he, he's leaving. What what was your immediate takeaway? I believe you probably were in the press room when the – Yeah, said, I was in the press room when he was – um when he came in there because normally you just want to, you know – Add a little bit of context to that. So normally during the home games, Little Caesars Arena, you know, after the first player comes in, we'll speak with Casey about 15 to 20 minutes somewhere after the final buzzer. Yesterday was a little bit different than the norm because it took him about close to an hour to finally hit the podium. So that was a little bit different. And obviously we know why, because he was talking with team governor Tom Gores. And the thing that first struck me about the comments was, 
the change in his tone since I've been covering the team after practices when we're talking to Dwayne Casey about the future. He's always talking about, you know, the development, looking forward towards next season. Like it, it's almost sounded as if he was like guaranteed or made some assurances that, hey, we know what you're dealing with this season. You're going to be back next season. So he was really talking like a coach that was confident he'll be back. Yesterday was the first time I've heard him talk in a manner that, hey, maybe this is, could go in a different direction. And that, to me, was just the first immediate thought, like, wait a minute. He's not speaking with the same confidence that he knows was about to happen that he did before. Now he's talking about, hey, I have a year on my contract left. Hey, it's whatever Troy and Tom decides to do. That wasn't the same Dwayne that has been talking the past couple of weeks when he's been talking about the future. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I, I'm, I'm not in the, the media room this year, but like seeing the quotes and just listening to Dwayne Casey over the last few years, I completely agree that he's talked like somebody that that is is confident that he will be back um, next season. He's talked like someone who's here for the long haul, uh, that, that is pretty confident in where he's going to be and where he's, gonna, and where he's at. Um, and, and that was – I agree. That was the first takeaway I had. He sounded like somebody who – I wouldn't say – I want to say he was coming out and confirming that he would be he he's going to be gone next year, but he came out and he sounded like somebody who, and I'm glad you mentioned that that wasn't in the quote, but he did yes he did meet with Tom Gores before his post game interview, um and he did go on to say later on that he was going to sit with Tom again after the season and they would discuss his future options. So all of that together, again I don't think it confirms that he's not coming back next year, but I do think it 100% gives a different tone that there is a realistic possibility that he may not be here next year. And I feel like for a lot of people, at least at least in the Pistons community, I feel like a lot of us have, have kind of expected that he would be here next year and then next year would be like the, the, the final one. But I think there's a chance that that may not be the case. And, and, and the tone, like you said, it definitely changed. And it feels like he's it, it feels like he's comfortable with the idea, or at least it sounds like that he, he feels at peace with the idea of maybe he may not be here next year. Do you Yeah, that's that's the that's the other part of it. It's just like he was so energetic these past couple of weeks about talking about, you know, the development of guys. I even asked him a question a couple of weeks ago about the summer league. Like, hey, not, we know the way the season's going. Have you guys talked about who may possibly be on a, on some of the summer league rosters? He didn't see it, and he said we haven't got that far yet, but he was just really amped about the development of Ivy and um Cade and that and that tandem working out over the summer and the development of Durin, but now it's like, okay, um, this is a little bit of, I'll say apathy in the way that he was speaking. So would you say, I don't want to put you on the spot here and you don't have to answer directly if you, if you don't feel comfortable doing so, but if, would you be one, would, if you had to bet money, would you bet that he would be, he's going to be here next year? And if you don't feel comfortable answering that, would you be shocked if he's not here next year after what you heard from him <laughs> last night? Or by the time you guys listen to this two nights ago after the game against Brooklyn, I'll go with the I'll, I'll kind of answer the latter question. Would I would I be shocked if he's not here next year? And honestly, just based off of the way he spoke last night, I would not be shocked if he did not return. Just off the simple fact that one Gores does not live in Michigan, so he's not always in here to see the t- you know see everything on a day to day basis. And when he was there yesterday. First off, we already know the Pistons are closing in on one of their two worst seasons in franchise history. But with the 
owner in the well, team governor, make sure I said it right, the team governor in the building, the Pistons have now won single-digit home games for the first time in the 82-game format on Fan Appreciation Night. They're going to finish with one of, the, one of the worst home records in team history on Fan Appreciation Night in Tom Gores' front row to see that, along with the entire product. So just the way that Casey talked, I, I wouldn't be shocked. I wouldn't be shocked either way. I believe that this the way the season has gone from, I mean, you lose. Um, Marvin Bagley didn't even play the first 13 games due to an MCL sprain, and then you lose Cade Cunningham 12 games into the season due to season-ending surgery. They've had a litany of injuries throughout the entire year, and because of those injuries, I believe that it was approximately like a little bit over 30% of a, of this year he had a different roster. Close to 30 40%, he had a different different starting unit out there. So with just adding everything together, I wouldn't be surprised if they said, hey, we're going to go ahead and bring him back just to see what he can do with the four healthy roster. But the other part is I can obviously see them going in a different direction because – Regardless of how much of a teacher, how much respect people have for Dwayne Casey, which he really is a great teacher and a great guy, this is still not Troy Weaver's guy. And I could see it right now being the time like, hey, we have a very young roster. We have some great lottery picks. We're about to be on another great lottery pick, potentially potentially number one, somewhere between one and three. Let's now go ahead and turn the rain over to somebody else who – may be able to go ahead and take them to that next step of developing these players. So I would not be shocked if he did not return just based off of everything going together. And then the comments from last night just really being those, because you said those, the sprinkle on the Sunday. So I, I, what you said about him not being Weaver's guy is what makes me believe that this may very well be his final season with the Detroit Pistons, because not only is he not Weaver's guy, um, and that doesn't mean Weaver doesn't like him or anything. Yeah. That's not the guy he hired. He, that, he, when a GM takes over a team, they usually go out and they get their guy. And he hasn't done that yet. And with this offseason coming up, with the letter that he wrote to fans and the expectations for next year, with this being now Cade's third season coming up, with another high lottery pick, a free agency coming up with a lot of cap space, with the expectation to field a good product onto the floor. These past few years, it was just rebuilding and – there wasn't really any expectations to try to, you know, try to win many games. Yeah. Next season, I think that changes. I think with that, with the, the the idea around what they want for this team changing next season, mm-hmm. I think this may be the perfect time, or at least Weaver may view it as the perfect time to, hey, Casey, you did what we needed you to do. You, you stuck with us through the rebuild era or the rebuild phase. You took those losses onto your coaching record. Like, you did that for us. You helped uh, uh, develop some of these guys, helped them become young men. But now we're moving into a next step where we'd like to have someone else at the home for that. I could 100% see that being exactly what happens. And right now, after how he talked yesterday, with the – I don't think it's coincidence with Tom Gore showing up and being yeah. beforehand, I, I, I'm probably leaning towards this him probably not returning next year, which is <laughs> – and then you just got to look at the the way the, the years have gone. Look, there's 82 games in a regular NBA season. Regardless of whether these the Pistons win these last two games or not, Casey has not won 82 games over four seasons. He's right now, he's 79 and 221 over the past four years. Regardless of whether we're rebuild or not, that is just not that's gonna be a tough sell for fans to say, hey, we're gonna bring him back for a sixth year. There, if they if the Pistons 
do not do well next season under a new voice. I mean, that is potentially expected. It's going to be a guy coming in with a new with a new roster, um, new expectations, new system. But to kind of keep things the status quo, it's you're you're not even even despite the record, you're just not really seeing what we want to see as far as the development process from some of these guys. Yes, he's developing some of the players individually, but as a cohesive unit, it just seems like something is missing there. So that could be, and again, it could be due to injuries because, again, Cade Cunningham is a significant piece that's going to make all of this eventually work in the long run. But, it's again, it goes back to just everything combined together and the fact that Troy Weaver has yet to bring in this guy because at the end of the day, Troy Weaver is still – Regardless of whether that is his guy or not, Troy Weaver is still on the hook for how this team looks. And does he want to go down without his own coach that he that he selected or had input on? And let's just be real. I don't think that he would want to. That's completely fair, completely fair. So let me know what you guys think about this. Do you guys think Dwayne Casey may actually be gone after this season? Let me know in the comment section down below or over on Twitter at Kukahill. Coming up. Is there now also pressure on Troy Weaver? I don't feel like there's been much pressure over the last few years since he took over the team to really put a good product on the floor. Is that changing now? Is there pressure on him? We're going to talk with Corey about that when we come back. But first, I've got to tell you guys about one of our sponsors, Nissan. So, Nissan's most electric player of the week is brought to you by the all-new, all-electric 2023 Nissan Aria. Now, over the last few weeks, we've had player of the week such as James Wiseman. We've had Killian Hayes have a week. I believe Jalen Duran won a week. This past week, we are 100% giving the Nissan Most Electric Player of the Week to Jaden Ivey. Jaden Ivey has been absolutely spectacular lately. He's been fierce. He's been fearlessly elegant. He's been powerful. He's been amazing for the Detroit Pistons. And the crazy thing is, he started off the month of March playing probably the worst basketball of his season and then just flipped the switch like that and is now in the midst of his best best streak of the season. He's shooting around 46% over the last few weeks, over the last two weeks from the field, 41% from deep on a lot of attempts, pull-up shots, moving off-ball threes. He's playing extremely well, and that's not even taken into account the fact that he just had a double-double, 10 assists, continues to improve as a playmaker. He's been ex- just absolutely fantastic for the Pistons. So he's by far Nissan's most electric player of the week this week for the Detroit Pistons. The 2023 Nissan Aria packs pins you to the seat power and premium intelligence all-in-one EV. The all-new, all-electric 2023 Nissan Aria. The EV for people who love to drive. Shop now at NissanUSA.com. So I want to thank you guys again for making Lockdown Pistons your first listen of every single day. We are free and available on all your podcast platforms. If you haven't already, head to the YouTube channel at Lockdown Pistons. Hit that subscribe button. Again, we are in that race with Lockdown Blazers. We're trying to catch up. We're trying to surpass them. We're just 200 subscribers away. So please hit that subscribe button for all of you guys who are not subscribed and are listening. Or leave us a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to us on. That's another great way to support the podcast. All right, so we just got done speaking about Dwayne Casey and some of the quotes that came out from him after the game against the Brooklyn Nets. Last week, we didn't really talk about on the podcast because there's some other things that, that were going on and we talked about, but Troy Weaver released a letter to the, the Pistons fan base about this season, talked about how this season was a disappointment and he's sorry and that they're going to, you know, they're still on this path to greatness, to rebuilding this city and or 
what's the word he used? Restoring the city and, and its fan or this the sports team and how uh you know we're all in this together moving forward and things are going to get better like et cetera, et cetera. You know, the stuff you'd probably expect uh, someone to come out and say after a disappointing season like this. Is there pressure now on Troy Weaver? Over the last few years, he's taken over a team that was not very good. He had to rebuild from scratch. He had to, you know, it was tough. It was a tough rebuild for him at the beginning. He's done a pretty good job, I'd say. He's got Cade, which was a little bit of luck, but everyone has to get a little bit lucky when building a team. You need, if you don't get any luck on your side, it's just not going to work. It's not going to happen. He got Cade Cunningham. He found a good pick in Jay and Ivy at five, where he could have went different routes, but he went with Ivy at five. Turns out to be a great pick so far. Jalen Dern at 13, a great pick so far. Depending where you stand with Isaiah Stewart, Isaiah Stewart getting drafted at 16, it seems like a, a fine pick, at the very least a fine pick. Um, he flipped Sadiq Bey for James Wiseman, who was the number two pick in that draft, someone he believes has a lot of potential. So we'll see how that plays out. And I know a lot of people are completely out on Killian Hayes. That probably is a fair one to call a miss, even if Killian turns out to be a backup point guard. I'm a big fan of Killian's, but even if he does come up as a backup point guard, it's probably fair to call that a miss at seven. But either way, I think he's done a fine job getting good talent for the Pistons. He has not done a fine job getting wins on the floor. That has not been the goal thus far. They have not won many games. That wasn't the point of, of the last few years. Could that be changing? It sounds like next season is the year they want to win. They want to improve. They want to put a good product on the floor. And, Corey, my question to you is, I think a lot of us see that, but is there pressure now on Weaver? Like, is he feeling it that, like, man, I got to I I get a good team out there next year. There could be, they could be coming for me. They, they could be coming for my job soon. Is, do you feel like he's having that type of pressure, or do you believe he's just this is just part of the plan? Like, this was always the year he wanted to take his next step. He's not feeling anything. He still feels pretty cool, and this is always a part of it. I What I get from Weaver's letter and where Weaver's stance is right now is kind of – it kind of fits with what happened yesterday with the talk with um, Tom Gores and Dwayne Casey. Next year, they do not want to see a repeat of this year next year. And I don't think that Troy Weaver is under the gun or should be because – Again, he still, while he has put his imprint on his team by the the players that he drafted, the players that he signed, and the, the trade acquisitions, the real stamp is going to be from his coach that he selects. And I don't think that he's under the pressure. I think he, I don't think he's under the pressure right now of winning just yet because he has not had the coach that you can't go at him and say, "Hey, you didn't you didn't do a good job of putting this together when you didn't let him get his guy to." to make these pieces work. So I think once Troy Weaver has the opportunity to pick his coach or pick the coach of his vision, if it doesn't work out at that point, then things will start getting a little hot because you can, for the, you know, the Killian, was it a miss? Yes. In, in, in uh, Compared to all of the other picks, yes, it is a miss. And you, you could also argue, hey, maybe the pick was good, but maybe the coach did not pull out of him what they needed to. It's it's a it's a whole bunch of different theories and philosophies you can throw with that, but end of the day, it's gonna he's not. I don't think he's under the gun just yet. I just think that Troy Weaver is a competitor. He built a young Thunder team, was had a had a hand in that, and I believe he's just trying to bring that same mentality here. And it's gonna take him to have that coach and and get that true imprint on it before we can before people can just really come for his job and it be tangible. 
So let me ask you this. What do you believe is the standard being set for next year? Because like you said, Tom Gore showing up and then talking with Casey, talking with Weaver, and now we get these quotes from Weaver, or not quotes from Weaver, but the quotes from Casey after the game. We got the letter from Weaver the week before. What do you think? It feels like it 100% Tom Gores came in, whether it was actually yesterday. Maybe he, I'm sure he has, their, obviously, that he has their phone number. I'm sure they talk yeah. more than just like <laughs> if he comes to town. But I'm sure they have an understanding of how he felt even before then. Yeah. Um, but I think it's clear, at least in my opinion, that Tom Gores is letting them know, hey, we need to have something next year. It doesn't mean it has to be like a championship, a, a contending team or anything, but something needs to be happening next year. What do you believe – that something is. What do you think that standard needs to be next year that they that they're looking for? Honestly, the realistic standard for next season needs to be this has to at bare minimum has to be a playing team, or at least trending towards it. Maybe they maybe they miss out on the play enough for you know a game or two, but they have to at least be trending in that direction next season. I believe that is if if I had to hire you know guess what the mandate is, it would be that because. Right now, they're about to finish the game with um, finish the season with somewhere between sixteen and eighteen wins. We'll see what happens. They should be able to at least double that with their healthy roster. Just so I think going into next season, that's like, hey, at least bare minimum play in should be what we what we as a franchise should be looking for. We'll see what they do in the draft. We'll see what kind of moves Troy Weaver may make um, during free agency trades. You know, he's always he's had a tendency to have some type of curveball up his sleeve that you know ends up working out so we'll see what that what that happens with because they they for the first time in a long time they now have you know the draft capital and they have the tradable assets so who knows what they'll be able to you know conjure up in the offseason but bare minimum I'm believing that play-in should be the standard for this team because you still don't know what you have but you you're winning 16 18 games with a pretty much depleted roster Help all the pieces back healthy. You should be able to at least double that win total. Before we move on, let me ask you this: Are you expecting you personally? Are you expecting a big off season from the Pistons? Do you think there's going to be like? Do you think this is going to be an off season where you see big splashes happen, or do you think there is going to be just? Do you think they're going to go the route of marginal like signings and 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 you know adding to the already pieces here, or do you think in 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 this next season we could be looking at a completely new roster? What do you think you you're predicting that's going to happen here? Just I think they've done the marginal signings thing for the past couple of years. If they were to go ahead and try to do something bold, I would see it being this off this off season since they have everything that they need to possibly make one of those moves. You still, you have Bogdanovich who could be a tradable asset. You have James Wiseman who could be a tradable asset. You have the pieces to put something together and, you know, potentially go grab another piece. So if they were going to be aggressive to try to make that next step, I would see them being aggressive this year. I don't know. I don't know who the target would be, but I could see them doing something this offseason to try to go ahead and get that, get that win total in the right direction, get this rebuild or restore moving along with something that's really tangible because, you know, the past couple of years, they're being in the the, the, the 20 wins and you're seeing those incremental, you're seeing those incremental signings. I guess people want to say they're properly tanking, whatever you want to say, but you, you see them making the small moves to try to get better. But I think that this off season is where they take that aggressive step to be a play in or a playoff team next year. All right, so Corey believes that the standard should be at least, it sounds like, at least competing for the play-in, maybe even making the play-in. 
So yeah. I think the next question is, which we'll talk about in the upcoming segment, how far are the Pistons currently from that standard? How far is this roster from being a playing basketball team? We'll talk about that when we come back. But first, I've got to tell you guys about one of our sponsors, FanDuel Sportsbook. The NBA playoffs are almost here, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back, and if your first bet doesn't win, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores to threes drained. And a player prop that I've been telling you guys I feel real confident about and you guys should be taking the over on, Jaden Ivey's assist. Jaden Ivey's improved as a playmaker. I've been taking over in his assist. Last game he had 10 assists. If you guys listen to me, I feel like you guys would be making a little bit of money. So I think the player prop you guys should be taking advantage of before the end of the season is Jaden Ivey's assist. Um, plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with the same game parlay. So don't miss out on your chance for a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sports betting partner of the NBA. So I want to thank you guys again for making Locked On Pistons your first listen of every single day. We are free and available on all your podcast platforms. If you haven't already, head to the YouTube channel, hit that subscribe button, help us catch up to Locked On Blazers. I would really appreciate it. Or leave us a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on. That's another great way to support the podcast. Um, Corey, in the last segment, we talked about what the standard is for next season. You mentioned that you feel like it's the play-in. How far do you believe the Pistons are? On, on this podcast, I've mentioned... I'd love to hear if you agree or disagree with this. On this podcast, I've mentioned I feel like the Pistons may not be as far away as some people believe. I feel like that they have a young core. And I, I compare him to OKC because Weaver came from OKC. And I feel like based on some of his moves, he's kind of going the same route with them. And what I see with the Pistons is that Weaver has collected a bunch of young guys. He wants to win with his guys. He wants to win with his young core, with his young guys, develop them, and let them be the reason why this team is moving on to the next next step. And I feel like, I, I don't feel like this team's that far away with it because I think with KJ and Ivy, Jalen Duran, I think you got a fine trio there. I honestly feel like they have, the rest of their young core, I don't think they're stars, but I think they're role players if you put the right players around them. And I think they can be contributors to a team. I think probably backups, but I don't see there's I don't think there's nothing wrong with that. So I think they have Jane Ivy Cade during the starting lineup. I think they have Killian, Livers, Stu, and Wiseman coming off the bench. I think that I think they can feel fine with those guys if they fill in the right pieces. So for me, I've said for the last few weeks that this team could just add some wings. I think the wing room that they've had this year was probably the worst wing room, especially defensively, in the NBA. And I feel like if you have a wing room, if they go out and, and address that need and get some 3 and D guys to, to fit next to Caden Ivey, to fit coming off the bench, and you just sort, and then you just fill them in with the already young core that they have, I think that instantly makes the team better. I, I, I've said before, I think what, what's helped this, what stopped this team from really being good this year, obviously Cade getting hurt, but even if Cade would have played... I felt like it was the roster construction. I feel like it was almost done on purpose. I said before the year, I thought he did it, Weaver that is, did it on purpose to have another high lottery pick. I feel like if they had like normal lineups and lineups that made sense and good roster construction that made sense around their young core, 
they would be a better basketball team. So I don't think they have to go out and make some big changes or some big moves. I think they – like if they were to go out and get – I'm long-winded here. I sh- I'm trying to get get through it. But Oh, no. It's make, yeah, okay. I feel like if they were to get like Cam Johnson and then maybe like a Grant Williams and then plus their pick in the draft, they right there you feel better about your wing room. You feel better about some guys in Grant Williams and, and Cam that maybe could go up three to four on, on the you know small forward, power forward, can play those roles. They play defense. They shoot threes. They space the floor around your ball handlers. And now all of a sudden your roster makes sense. you got Burks coming off the bench with Killian, Livers, Stu, and Wiseman. That should have some good spacing if Stu um, is actually a shooter, and we saw promise from that. And then the starting lineup, you could have, I don't know, uh, Cade, Ivy, Cam Johnson, maybe the first-round pick. And then Jalen Duran, maybe you want to add another guy. This is assuming I also have assumed that Boyan may get traded. But that's this. Without going deep into it, that's my overall point. I feel like if they address the wing room and just make some signs like that, I actually don't think the team's too far away. Do you disagree with that, or do you think there's there's going to be or needs to be some big move that really shakes up the roster? Well, I agree with your sentiment that some of the guys, you know, like Isaiah Stewart. Killian Hayes, um, those those could be definitely guys, quality guys coming off the bench. I do the I do also agree with you that they need to go out and desperately address that wing area. Um, their defense, their defense in that area just has been very I'm trying to use the correct word abysmal <laughs> for the entire season. So that is going to be a glaring. Need. Cam Johnson will be an excellent fit. Um, but yeah, that's that's just really the direction that. How can I say this? They making a great splash would definitely put them in that play-in realm. But if they didn't even have the injuries they had this year, it would even with the roster that did not make sense, they still possibly could have been a, a potential at least trending towards that play-in team. I don't think they would have made it. Don't just let's be clear. I don't think they would have made the play-in. But I think if they did not suffer the injuries they did this year, they would have been trending towards that. So if they go out and address that wing area, they go out and get some three and D guys, some quality guard play. Because one thing that there's really been hindering to them too is they have no spacing. It's just, it's just totally lacking. So if they go out and get some guys that can go ahead and stretch a defense, you know, go get some guys that can actually shoot beyond the perimeter besides Boyan. Um, some because they don't they don't have they really have that many guys that can shoot 10 to 15 feet out. They just they just don't not, not consistently. So if they go out and get that, they're they're gonna be able to trend towards that. And they have a collection of young, I guess you would say, gym rats, something that is kind of in the image of that young OKC team. Weaver is pretty much bringing that same model here right now. I think from being a play-in team, if they can get everybody back healthy and they make small incremental pieces, they would be able to be a, a play-in team next year. If they go out and make a splash, then now you're talking about, okay, they could go ahead and possibly be one of those, you know, seven, six, five, you know, five, six, seven teams. Because, I mean, you've seen the chemistry of Jalen Duran and Jaden Ivey throughout the year. I think that's only going to develop. I think with the way Cade has, is going to come back, and I believe Cade's going to be able to be fit and healthy this year because I don't know if people have seen him. He's put on a lot of muscle. He's bulked up. So if you get him back bulked up, you get those, you get that trio, you get that nucleus gelling, and then you still be able to have those quality pieces on the roster just add a couple of you know fill fill in the blanks there you'll be good i still think they also do need to keep some savvy veterans around i really do like probably bringing back only one would be alec burks 
I believe that Jaden Ivy benefited a lot from being, you know, being next to Burke. So maybe he's one guy you can keep around because you still need an adult in the room, even with the team that's the, you know young and developing. But they, they they make some small incremental pieces. They can go ahead and transfer that play. Sorry, I got kind of long with it, went all no, over. I, but hey, trying to, I was trying to trying to connect all the dots together. I I just did the same thing. I talked for like four minutes there. <laughs> but, but um, so I, I'm glad you said that about Burks. I feel like Burks, you've seen both Jay and Ivy and Killian Hayes all of a sudden start doing his little foul drawing stuff. That as soon as they feel contact, they just fly back and they throw some stuff up. Like he that. was just that's so true. he was just so great at getting to the getting to the line, getting the and one. It was just like. Dude, it was like it was, it was almost like it was his calling card all year, and then you start, you slowly start to see Ivy become a little bit more composed. Because really, if you, the first half of the season to me, I think Ivy was just really going off of his raw athleticism. But as the season started to progress and get down towards the end, you start to see him be a little bit more composed as a playmaker. As a as just instead of just shooting from one end to the other, he played with like a controlled speed that allowed him to do some of what Burks was doing, going ahead and getting those and ones and getting those easy buckets. So yeah. So this is and we'll wrap up with this right here. This is something I've been asking a lot of my a lot of my guests. And I'd love to hear your input on this. One of the things I've said to my listeners many, many times is that, yes, you want this team to get better. You want this team to put a good product next year, and you want to see them win games. However, I feel like there is a very – it's a very thin line that you need to walk when you're, when you're restoring and you want to build a long-term success, successful team. And the, the, the example I always use is that you don't want to – you don't want to feel the pressure and be antsy and all of a sudden go all in on an offseason – and end up like the Atlanta Hawks. And the Atlanta Hawks, I use them as an example because they went all in for that one year. They made a bunch of signings, a bunch of moves, and they kind of got a little – they weren't as flexible anymore now. And they made the Eastern Conference Finals that year, but now you see them, they're, they're, they're stuck. They're, you know, they did make a move for Murray. They were able to try and make a move for him, but they're kind of stuck. They just brought back Bogdanovich. They're kind of stuck, and they're now they're on back-to-back years. They're not having great years. And now there's, you know, it's Trey that guy. We'll trade one out. Now all of a sudden, I feel like that's a lot to do with the fact they went all in faster than they should have. They should have been a little bit more patient with it. However, you don't want to be too slow. You don't want to be too patient the way you're just passing up. Uh, 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 what's the word I'm looking for? Legitimate, legitimate moves to help you move along in the process. So that's something that I've said over and over that, yes, I want this team to get better in this offseason. Yes, I want them to make moves to try to get better. But I also don't want them to make the wrong moves or, or get too, too antsy with it to where they overpay for someone this offseason. They go all in this offseason, and now this is the squad you got for the next three, four years. And what happens if that's not good enough? Now you're stuck three years now with this squad because of what you've done in this offseason. Do you feel – do you agree with that sentiment? Do you think that's something that Weaver needs to walk the line of? Or, again, and you can you can disagree. I'd love to hear if you disagree. Do you think – do you think it's something that he really needs to swing for the fences at some point, and this is the offseason he needs to swing? Now, two things. First, I don't think I don't think that this has to be the season that he swings for the fences. Just for me, I was thinking, I was just predicting, like, okay, just based off the letter, based off you know what no, Gore, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know the Gore's thing. I was thinking, like, maybe they might try to swing for the fences, but does he have to? Absolutely not. Weaver's been walking that fine line well because you follow, you are on Pistons Twitter just like I am. Pistons fans wanted him to swing for the fences last year for a guy by the name of DeAndre Ayton. What did he do? He did not do it. He instead, he made a heck of a move 
and got Jalen Duran, who to me, for what they are trying to build, I'm not going to sit up here and say he's going to be better than DeAndre Ayton. I'm just going to say Jalen Duran has significant upside that will be very beneficial for this Pistons team moving forward that will make him a friend to me, a franchise staple and a starting center for this team for years to come. So I don't think that he necessarily has to swing for the fences yet. I think right now walking that line of just understanding like, okay, the let's, let's say, so let's take the Sadiq Bay trade. Sadiq Bay at the time was one of the worst defenders at the wing position in the league. And he kind of plateaued. Sadiq Bay, from where he started the first couple of years, you started thinking like, okay, this guy could really be something. Then he kind of plateaued. So what did Weaver do? He went ahead and saw a guy in James Wiseman, who, by all accounts and by you know from all the worst players, especially Draymond Green, it's not the guy that didn't have talents. It's that he was on a championship team and needed reps. Now you're starting to see that even though it's not showing up in the win column. Trading Sadiq Bay for James Wiseman has proved to be a smart move because now James Wiseman has a pretty high upside moving forward. So I think Weaver has been doing a great job of just walking that line of, you know, making the right moves. Okay, let me make this see how this works. Okay, let me make this see how this works. Because even if, like, you know, like you said, you thought Boya might be gone. I think Wiseman could be gone too. Even if those guys do not work out, he's made, he's acquired pieces that could be tradable assets down the line to go and swing for the fences. So I think he's been walking that fine line right now by making the right signings and the right trades so that when the time comes, he will have the package available that will make sense to a team to go and get that piece to be able to skyrocket. And I, I will say this, at some point, especially for a team like Detroit, a small market, at some point you do swing for the fences. At some point, you have to. You saw it with Stan Van Gundy. People may have thought that he swung for the wrong fences. Maybe some people thought maybe they went too fast with it. Maybe they shouldn't have pulled the trigger at that point. But that was the move that you had for a small market team. Eventually, there comes a moment where you have to pull the swing for the fences. Stan Van Gundy did it. And now, at some point, Weaver is going to swing for the fences. It's just a matter of when is the right time. And before, before we wrap up, I just want to say this. The thing I've, I keep saying on the podcast, I'm going to keep reiterating it, is that you want to make that swing when you feel like your young guys that are that you've built around are ready. And I'm not sure if they're actually ready to compete like winning, like legit winning basketball. I think Ivy, he's a rookie, he's played really well, but he has a lot of stuff he still needs to improve on. Yeah. Darren, he still has a lot of stuff he needs to improve on. Uh, Isaiah Stewart, Killian Hayes, whoever they add, and, and another thing, whoever they add in this draft, it's not realistic to expect an 18, 9 year old to come in and be an impactful NBA player when it comes to winning. Most of them come in. Not at all. Yeah, most of them come in. They're not great defensively. They have some stuff they have to work out, and that's fine. That's, that's part of it. But that's just the, that's that's just the thing I I really am watching for. When are these young guys going to be ready? And and whenever they're ready, whenever you think they've made that step to where hey. If we swing for the fences and we add this guy to the team, they are actually ready to play winning basketball and they're in there making this legit progress. Then you do it. I'm not sure this is this off season, though. I do think it could very well be the following off season. I think 24, the, so this is 23, 24. So 24 off season, I think may be the year you see them really try to make a swing um, for something legitimate. Now, if something opens up, maybe they do this off season. Maybe there's something really good that opens up, but I think if, if you have a healthy, if you have a healthy Cade, 
you have a healthy Ivy and a healthy Durant, and you see them all trending upward next season, and they're looking like okay, where they're they're in the play in or they're a bottom um seven or eight seed, then I'm like, then you could probably see we were like, okay, now it's time to make a move. Now it's time to go ahead and swing for the fifth. So we'll be in that top six. No, yeah, I completely agree. It could even happen at the trade deadline. Uh, it, yeah. They're like at the trade deadline, the Pistons are one of those teams that are really pushing for the play-in, maybe even the playoffs, like they're showing that kind of improvement. You could even see them swing at the deadline. I, it could definitely happen. We could see it. But at the end of the day, I don't think they're too far. It doesn't sound like Corey thinks they're too far away either. Um, and, hey, we'll see what Weaver does this offseason. But um, that's all I've got for you guys today. Corey, thank you for coming on to the podcast, man. I really appreciate it. It was a ton of fun. Um, make sure you guys go follow Corey on Twitter at Corey E. Woods. Also, you can find his work over at MLive.com as well. Beat writer for the Detroit Pistons over there. Does some great stuff, great work. So definitely go check him out. Um, again, thank you guys for making Lockdown Pistons your first listen of every single day. We're free and available on all your podcast platforms. Hit that subscribe button at the YouTube channel. Please, we're on our way to 5,000 subscribers. We're trying to beat out my Lockdown Blazers host, man. I, 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 I'm... I'm getting ready to talk some trash to Mike, man, but we, we got to pass him. So I need you guys to hit that subscribe button or leave us a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on. And until next time, I'll see you guys later. Stay safe, go Pistons, and peace out. Thanks.